Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at bbmglobalnetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. is a terrible thing to waste. Welcome to Interconnected with your host, Dr. Rainer Gilmore. Psychiatrist Rainer Gilmore will explore the interconnectivity of the mind, body, soul, and spirit, and how they have an effect on each other within our internal and external worlds. So welcome the host of Interconnected, Dr. Rainer Gilmore. Hey guys, I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore and you are listening to Interconnected. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I welcome you to enter on this journey with me as I explore the interconnectivity of the mind, body, soul, and spirit. When you enter this space, you will be connected to a wealth of information. You will also realize that we are more alike than we are different, so we should use that to lift each other up as opposed to tearing each other down. Now, as I've thought about that opening, this opening that I've, that I've been doing for every show, and thinking about the climate, the current climate uh, that we're going through right now, I want to say that we should appreciate each other's differences because we're not all exactly alike. We have things that, you know, distinguish us from one another and we should appreciate each other's differences as opposed to looking at them as negative things if they're not in line with how we think or what we do. So I want to clarify that and not make people think that I think that we, you know, we're all the same people and we should all think like that because uh, we definitely are not. We should appreciate each other's differences. So wanted to clarify that. If anybody has any questions, the phone number is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. My name is Dr. Raina Gilmore. I am a psychiatrist that specializes in child and adolescent psychiatry. I am from Florida, which I'm a little bit embarrassed about uh, as of late, but I am from there and currently practicing in Cincinnati, Ohio. This evening, I have the pleasure of having a special guest who is very near and dear to me. This woman 
is partly responsible for me. So if anybody has any questions <laughs> about why I am the way that I am, 50% is because of this woman. This woman is my mother, Emmaria Gilmore. And the reason why I asked her to be on the show tonight is I've been having many conversations with her with the stuff that's been going on with uh, not only the pandemic, but with the George Floyd case and race relations and the senseless killings of uh, African-Americans, police brutality, all of that. And she talked to me about how angry she is because she grew up at a time where she integrated her school and, you know, she made sacrifices so that her own children the hope was that her own children would not have to go through the same things that she had to go through. She made those sacrifices, both her and my father. So um, I wanted to kind of talk to her from a generational perspective um, about how she feels, how she feels personally with how race relations are in comparing it to when she was growing up. Um, And it's going to be a discussion and, Hopefully, I have a surprised other generation uh, to speak about the current generation and how they feel with uh, my nephew. So it'll be a, it should be a great show. Um, so, Mom, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, I am. I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, I'm, uh, my parents were educators, and I'm the oldest of two children. I have a brother that's eight years younger than I. So we actually have had different experiences in, in terms of um, race relations in, in high school, well, elementary and high school and college. Um, and um, I, I went to my elementary school was like an experimental school. It was um, children of of um, professors at the AU Atlanta University um, complex where where Morehouse, um, Spelman, Clark. Then it was Clark College and Morris Brown. And their kid, their children went to this school, but it was right in the middle of um, Vine City, which was um, uh, 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 an impoverished black community. And um, when I when it was time for me to go to high school, I my parents put me in a school that was primarily, predominantly white at the time. We might have had, they might have had maybe six to eight uh, African-Americans in the school um, from eighth grade. And our, at the time, our, we didn't have middle school. We went from elementary, from kindergarten to seventh grade and high school from eighth to twelfth grade. So when my, when, when it was time for me to go to high school, my parents put me in a um, predominantly white school school and so our class 
was the largest class of African-Americans in that school. And so we basically integrated the school. It was Mm -hmm. um, a life-changing experience for me um, because the school that I had come from was actually very diverse and had students from all different ethnicities because of the um, faculty faculties at all of those schools in the Atlanta University system. However, coming to um, the school, which was um, called Southwest High School, um, most of the most of the students were um, uh, white students, Caucasian students, and I didn't really think much of it until I got there, and it was it was mind-boggling. It was scary. And, and just being an eighth grader anyway, if anybody knows being an uh-huh. eighth grader in in a high school, you're you're considered nothing anyway. But um going to a high school where people just came up to you and said, I don't know you but I don't like you and I will because you're the N word and um that scared me. Um, and then within the first couple, week or two of high school uh, of that year, my eighth grade year, we had a, an incident where one of the um, older black students of the one of six or eight students in the school was um, attacked. And it was, and being an eighth grader, I didn't know what was going on. Um, he was attacked, beat beat up, and nobody did, none of the administrators did anything until he came out to defend himself. And that's, and that's when all of the administrators came out. And for uh-huh. a, another couple weeks to a month, we had a race, race, race riot right there at the school. So it was very scary to me. And, and it yeah. was my introduction to racism. Okay. And I definitely want to talk more about that, more about that throughout the show. It's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you are listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about race relations then and now. Stay tuned. Animal lover, author, artist, and public speaker, Patricia Daly Leip is a Renaissance woman in her own right. A lover of animals from a young age, Patricia lives on a farm in Virginia and has rescued neglected thoroughbred horses, keeping them or finding them safe havens. She is also a published author, and her books document real-life experiences that she shares in her passionate stories, taking the reader around the world in a colorful kaleidoscope of life. An accomplished artist, Patricia Daly Leip's oil paintings feature animals, portraits, stills, nature, and abstract, and she allows the brush to paint the image in an organic, natural way. A public speaker, Patricia is motivated to continually wonder about life and advocates for all of us to do the same and document our own unique history. To learn more about Patricia Daly Life, visit www.literarylady.com and www.patricialife.com. 
pdlife.com or email her at pdlife at gmail.com. Mike Zorick, a three-time California state champion in Greco-Roman wrestling at 114 pounds. Mike, blind since birth, was born in Hartford, Connecticut. He was a six-time national placer, including two seconds, two-thirds, and two-fourths. He also won the Veterans Folk Style Wrestling twice at 152 pounds. In all these tournaments, he was the only blind competitor. Nancy Zorick, a creative spirit whose talents have taken her to the stage and into galleries and exhibitions in several states. Her father, a commercial artist who shared his instruments with his daughter and helped her fine-tune her natural abilities, influenced her decision to follow in his footsteps. Ms. Zorick has enjoyed a fruitful career doing what she loves. Listen Saturday mornings at 12 Eastern for The Nancy and Mike Show for heartwarming stories and interesting talk on the BBM Global Network. Hello, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Raina Gilmore, and this is Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anybody has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. This evening, we're talking about race relations, then and now, and I have the pleasure of having special guests, my mother, Miss Maria Gilmore, and, you know, she, let me tell you, she was talking about how nervous she was, and she didn't know if she was going to have anything to say, but if you realize how important this subject is to her, because all I did was ask her to tell a little bit about herself, and... Okay. So again, 50% of me, that's where it came from. People talk about how I tell stories. Anyways, so was there, I wanted to give you a chance to finish up your, your experience. You were talking about the old upperclassmen, uh, black male who had gotten beaten up and nobody did anything and the administrators did anything. Um, and then, what it what uh what else did you want to say about that experience? Well, well, just quickly, he he got he 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 retaliated after he got beat up. Mm-hmm. He started getting beat up. He um he he came out and he, he started fighting. When he started fighting, that's when all of the administrators came out. And as a result of all of that, we had race riots for uh two two weeks to a month at the school. Mm. And that was my introduction to, to actually racism. And, and, um, and, and it went on into college and it went on into my, the work world for me because I worked in, in a predominantly uh, white male dominated profession. So, um, so now what's going on is mm-hmm. just kind of traumatic to me because it's like I, I, I'm reliving it um, and, 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 and it's very traumatic to me right now. And in what ways I, specifically would you, would you say that you're reliving it in comparison to, you know, when you were growing up? Well, I, I, I kind of thought that we had gotten past that. I mean, like I said, go, my my college experience was 
um, was traumatic. Um, was very racist. Um, the college that I went to, and like I said, um, in in the workforce, I, I went through it. But I thought when I brought up you and your sister, I saw I saw racism. When I when I came up, it was very overt. It was nothing for, like I said, someone to come up to me and say, you know, I don't know you, I don't like you because you're an N-word. So you knew where you stood. Um, When you and your sister came up, there was a lot of racism, but it was covert. You all Mm -hmm. didn't know that people were being racist to you. You would tell us stories, me and your father stories and we chose to let you know slowly you know we weren't radical about it mm-hmm. and at some point you did realize it but it was very covert um it's now back to being very overt and i just it, it's it's traumatizing to me because it's just reminding me of what i went through back when I was in high school and college and in the workforce, but primarily high school and college because that was my introduction to race, racism. So you see it as kind of like a regression in a sense where, where oh, you yeah. thought there was some progression, but now, you know, you, you, you see it as some regression too, like you said. Now, you mentioned overt and covert, um, racism and is there one that you feel like is better I mean they're both bad okay racism is not good in any way um, is there one that you think is better to deal with well I, I, I guess thinking about it I think it being over because you know where you stand Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody tells you, I don't like you, I hate you. Um, you know where you stand. You and your sister and and people in your in your generation, your peers, did not know where, where you all stood. You were not sure. You didn't know that people were being, treating you uh, in a race, racist manner um, until... Uh, thing, things continue to happen and mm-hmm. we, your parents brought it out to you and then you realized that this isn't fair. You know, these, are, these things are happening to me and I haven't done anything for, for, for these, th- these bad things to happen to me. Um, and that's covert. So I mm-hmm. think not knowing is worse than knowing, even though you don't like it. But right. not knowing is a lot worse than than knowing. Right, because you kind of know where you stand. That's why, like when people, because you know, being from Florida, that's the South. So, um, and you being from Georgia, that's the South, definitely. Um, people will say like, why you know. I don't know when I'm trying to explain in the South, the South in comparison to like the Midwest or, or other areas, 
when there's more overt racism there. It's like, so you know, you know, as opposed to, you know, living here in Ohio, I see more covert racism now. Nowadays, it's more overt everywhere. But I think, so to your point, I think that at least I knew (laughs) how people felt. It hurt, but it wasn't like people were smiling in my face and, you know, and kind of stabbing me in the back at the same time. It's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you are listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about race relations then and now. We'll be right back. Did you know that your beliefs create your entire reality, but it's the subconscious beliefs that do most of the creating? Belief Shifter and Life Coach Shiraz can help you identify those limiting beliefs and eliminate them, often in a single session. Like it was almost instant, like... I had relief right away. Creating better health, relationships, careers, and finances. Let Shiraz help you step out of safety and into awareness. Definitely something's happening. Uh, it's like a, a flow inside. You know, it feels good. Whether in person or online, Shiraz provides personal coaching, belief shifting. Visit Shiraz at energeticmagic.com or call 416-529-7429. Energetic Magic on the BBM Global Network, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Find your greater happiness. Be well. Be aware. Be magical. Dr. Rob Moyer is the director of the Ocean River Institute, and he is passionate about saving the ocean by helping dolphins suffering from nitrogen pollution. Nitrogen is a dangerous pollutant, affecting our oceans, altering ocean ecosystems, and contributing to global warming. The Ocean River Institute provides opportunities to make a difference and encourages people to go the distance for savvy stewardship of a greater and bluer planet Earth. Partnered with organizations from Massachusetts to Florida, Alaska to the Caribbean, the Ocean River Institute's mission is to foster involvement in conservation and environmental monitoring by facilitating grassroots efforts at local and regional levels. Hello, I'm Rob Moyer of the Ocean River Institute. Please visit our website at oceanriver.org. Sign up for free e-alerts. You may call us at 617-661-6647. Our email address is info at Ocean River. Become informed and then act with us. Thank you. You are listening to Interconnected, and I'm your host, Dr. Raina Gilmore. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anybody has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866 866- Four five one one four five one. Again, that is eight six six four five one one four five one. This evening, we're talking about race relations then and now, and I have the pleasure of having special guests: my mother, Mrs. Mrs. Emma Maria Gilmore. And you uh, mentioned during the break you wanted to talk some about some particular experiences that you had in college that really affected you. So I'll let you go ahead and do that. I and and this will be quick. Um, when I was in co- college, um, and I, my parents took me to set me up for the first, you know, for the first of the year. Um, one year, I I didn't have a roommate assigned, and we were in there setting me up, and a young. A Caucasian girl walked in who was a freshman. I was a junior. 
And she walked in and she saw my family and she just went into um, panic mode and she she ran out and came back maybe an hour and a half, two hours later and said, I, I, I'm, I'm moving into the, to the sorority house. And, you know, I, it, it kind of hurt. I guess it shouldn't have, but it did kind of hurt because I, I just didn't think we were there. And mm-hmm. then um, the next roommate um, was another Caucasian uh, young lady. And within weeks, her father found out that I was, that she had a black roommate and threatened to take her out of school, stop paying for her education if she didn't move out of my room, out of the room with me. And she said, well, I'm a sociology major, so I just thought I would move in with her so I could learn more about her kind of people. So racism, I mean, I experienced racism, like I said, from um, from high school through, through college. It was where I went to school, University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, was full of um, KKK and, uh, influence. And so it was... Um, it was an experience. It was a traumatic experience. And um, I guess your father and I were ready to to bring you all into the world to introduce you all to what might what you might experience, hoping that you would not experience what we experienced coming up in 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 uh in school. What kind of um how, how was I, it for I, you? Tell, tell tell me how was it for you? Growing up? Yes. Um well I was very fortunate. I think you all did a good job uh with providing for me and my sister. And I also, since I'm the youngest, I had the opportunity to learn a lot from my older sister, um, because we went to the same schools and everything. Um so I had a lot of teachers, um, which I'm, I'm very grateful for. Um, I did, I do agree that there was more covert uh, racist acts. So for example, um, there was somebody in the neighborhood where I went to visit her at her home and she said I could only have half of something from the freezer and I didn't understand why I could only have half and, you know, like, and everybody, other people could have a whole piece. And that that right there was, you know, what I now know is somewhat of a discriminatory or microaggression, you know, situation. Um, I've also been been at a party where I, I was at several parties where I was the only uh, black. Uh, and I've been, you know, told that this, uh, Caucasian female uh, peer said that she didn't want to use my black brush when I offered it to her when she was looking for a brush. So I didn't. And to me, I was like, oh, okay, you know, and then I went about my business. But it wasn't until later on that I realized, oh, you know, that I was just discriminated against there, too. And then it really hit me and I just started crying, you know, 
Um, and then you called the parent. I don't know what you told her, but you took care of it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, there was no more problems after that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think I agree that sometimes the overt racism, uh, at least you know where you stand in people's eyes and whether you want to, you know, have the energy to try and change their views. Sometimes you can. You know, I, I'm not I'm not hopeless. I think just kind of by leading by example and everything, uh, you can show that there are positive black people. You know, uh, we're not monsters. We're not inferior. Um, however, on the other hand, I've learned as I've gotten older that regardless of how much education you have or how much status you have, for cert- some people at the end of the day, you're still an inferior black person. It could be the the poorest, least educated white person. They still think that they're higher than you just based based off of race. So that is correct. Um, that is so correct. yeah. So I, I, yeah. Right. So I still deal, you know, with um definitely with microaggressions. Um I saw something today about how black women um I think has the highest percentage of um, kind of new entrepreneurs, but they have the lowest, you know, pay, pay rate. Um, Right. You know, and it's like, yeah, you know, and, and it's like, you, you work so hard and is it for nah? I mean, you have your own personal goals, which is what kind of keeps me going. I'm doing this personally, not to try and, prove to society anything because with the, you know, events that are happening still, we see how society feels about us. Um, so yeah, I think I, I do appreciate, um, my upbringing and, and even appreciate the, the, the discriminatory, discriminatory things that I went through because it made me more aware, kind of like you were saying. It's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you are listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about race relations then and now. If you seek a courageous advocate, prepare to champion your rights with consumer service agencies that support aging populations. Carol Ann Hamilton is the one for you. Carol Ann is an elder care coach, author, and speaker with a quarter million hours lived experience successfully supporting unculpable aging parents. As a result of a challenging journey, Carol Ann revolutionizes how stressed-out caregivers restore serenity to their worlds. She also brings over 25 years of change management expertise in Fortune 500 settings to catalyze urgent transformation within the elder care industry. Carol Ann is a popular speaker at conferences across North America. She has appeared via TV, radio, and print globally. Now you can tune in weekly to get a dose of her inspiration plus down-to-earth advice to cope with even the most difficult aging parents. Listen Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern on Bold Brave Media and TuneIn Radio. French Rastafarian baker Chef Ugmat is a fourth-generation baker and has worked in 11 countries across three continents. 
Born in Mulhouse, France, he began apprenticing in his father's bakery at age 12 and has devoted his life to learning cultures of the world from inside kitchens across the globe. He also teaches traditional French baking by hosting demonstrations and classes, and his passion for baking is reflected in his delicious confections. With a deep respect for discipline and his Rastafarian way of life, Sheikh Uvmat exemplifies commitment to tradition and culture in a global world. Traveling extensively and combining a myriad of flavors into his recipes, Chef Ugmat brings a unique approach to baking. To read more about the French Rastafarian baker, visit www.frenchchefoug.com. That's H-U-G-U-E-S. Bon appétit and bless up. Hey guys, I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore and you are listening to Interconnected. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. If anybody has any questions, the phone number to call in is 866-451-1451. Again, that is 866-451-1451. This evening we're talking about race relations then and now and I have the pleasure of having very special guest, my very own mother, Mrs. Emory Gilmore. And I have a question from a listener. And the question is, do you feel any difference in the movement that's taking place now as opposed to your African, to your, excuse me, to your American experience thus far? And then the second uh, follow-up question to that is, how can we navigate through this wave? Um... Well, I did. That's why I said I'm very passionate right now. Uh, almost crazy, according to you. Um, I didn't say that. That's not true. Scratch that from the from the record. <laughs> because I, I I am. I mean, it's been traumatic to me to see what's been going on. Um, that um, a lot of things have not changed from mm-hmm. back when I when I was coming up and um, I thought we had gotten beyond that, but we're going backwards. We're regressing. And um, that's scary because I've got, I've got grand grandsons that I'm worried about. I have one that's a, a young man. And then I have one that's a, a 10 year old male. And if we keep going the way we're going, the 10-year-old is going to have a problem. I'm worried about the 19-year-old now, but the 10-year-old, if we keep going like we're going, the 10-year-old is going to have a problem. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset. I'm a little afraid. And what about the, the way that the movement, so thinking about, like you talked about the, the race riots in your school um, and thinking about the movements that have happened you know, in the past due to, to racism and the movement that's going on currently, do you see, is there anything that makes you more hopeful or do you see um, any positive differences or negative differences in that matter? Well, there there is some positivity that there, it's not just, for instance, it's not just African-Americans in the in the marches or uh, in the movement, we have people of all ethnicities, uh, of all um, ages, mm-hmm. fighting fighting for a cause, which we didn't have then. So in that in that light, it, it is that is a positive if we continue down that path. 
Um, we want it to be um, peaceful, which mm-hmm. Martin Luther King started, and and um, it uh, it's getting a little chaotic at di- at different times now. But I think that's just frustration on the part of everybody, you know, mm-hmm. at, at what what has been going on. Um, but but there's hope. Because, like I said, it's not just one ethnicity fighting a cause. It's everybody fighting a cause. Um, so that, to me, is a positive a positive um, move. Okay. And what are your thoughts on the follow-up question as to how we can navigate through this? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, I, I think the peaceful protest um is a good is a good move um because it is we hope that it's peaceful the looting i do not agree with i do not think that i think that's opportunist mm-hmm. um um using that saying it's fighting our cause but right. um and I, and I don't agree. I don't agree with that. But um, I, I do. I do feel that we should we should be fighting a cause because at this point we should not be going backwards. Mm-hmm. I mean that that really that really bothers me that we're going backwards. Um, and like I said, I worry for my my own grandsons and. Um, um, I don't, I, I just don't want it to get any worse than it is. Yeah. And I think, um, the whole turn the other cheek and be the bigger person and, you know, M- Michelle Obama's famous phrase when, when they, when they go low, you go high. I mean, that's all fine and good. But I think at this point, you know, that. Yeah, really not getting us anywhere. Um, now, I do think there's a strategic way. We, we got to be strategic. You know, you can yeah. get the raw emotions yeah. out, you know, with the protesting and stuff like that. Get those raw emotions out. I'm all for it. I'm interested to see beyond the protests when the protests have stopped, which they're going yeah. on much longer than I expected them to, but I think that's a a, a function of the of the time and the fact that we're mm-hmm. in this pandemic, so there's not as many distractions, uh, you know, and people don't have to say, oh, I got to go to work, or oh, I guess I'll just I'll watch the game, or whatever, right. Right. you know. Right. There's nothing to do, so they're there, so they're out there. It's like I don't have anything else to do. I wish more of them would wear masks and not be up on each other, but whatever. Yeah. Um, because it's COVID is still out there. Um, but, um, so, you know, they're going to be out there, but I think, okay, th- now what's next L- looking at these different, you know, systemic changes, which I, they're talking about defunding the police and things like that. And hopefully people understand that that doesn't mean, um, you know, get rid of the police. It means redistributing the funds that go to the police into the community and, um, and other places that need reform so that the police can have help and they're not the ones that are always 
called on for any given situation because there's not enough money in other places like mental health and health care and, um, you know, community resource uh, agencies and homeless homelessness. And, you know, they, they, mm-hmm. they're having to mm-hmm. respond to any and everything. They say, call the police. You know, if you try to call a crisis team and they're they're out, you know, managing other things and you call the police. And that's that's simply not fair for them because they can't be trained on everything. They could be trained on right, implicit right. and things, but not on everything. So I think that that's not fair. It's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you are listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we are going to continue to talk about race relations then and now. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it america is out of control today's capitalism and the approach to money is in fact the symptom of a more widespread pattern of excessive behavior in his book the culture of excess how america lost self-control and why we need to redefine success Clinical psychologist Dr. Jay Slosar portrays an America where excess fuels the drive to succeed. Dr. Slosar examines the cultural factors that lead to excess ranging from obesity to fraud to pervasive budget deficits. His book examines the powerful economic and social factors and their impact on our psychological well-being. Dr. Slosar explores the psychological impact of increasing narcissism, perfectionism, self-destruction, and our identity confusion. He offers recommendations for helping Generation Me become Generation We. Those who resist Slosar's message will want to avoid his discussion of regulation and his recent message that at this point, democracy must be more important than today's capitalism. Get his book now online or by visiting thecultureofexcess.com. You are listening to Interconnected, and I'm your host, Dr. Raina Gilmore. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. This evening, we've been talking about race relations then and now, and I've had the pleasure of having special guest, my mother, Mrs. Emory Gilmore. And now I have a surprise. So we've talked about the then with race relations, and we were getting to talk about the now and, and, and what's going on with the peaceful protests. And I think it's very important that we hear from the young people, because those are the main ones. Those are it's a majority of the ones that are out there doing the protesting and speaking up and they're the future. So I have the pleasure of also having special guests, my very own 19 year old nephew, Mr. Kaleeb. I'm just going to say Mr. Kaleeb. You don't need to know his full government name. And I would like to. (laughs) Hi, Kaleeb. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
Good, good. Thank you so much. Because he generally does is not a speaker, but this situation has made him have many opinions. Which, well, he always has opinions, but this situation has had him to want to speak out more. So, I, as a young person, I, I want to know what your thoughts are about the current climate that's going on now. Um, I think it's a um, a very revolutional time. I think that people are going to look back at this time period and uh, see how a lot of things changed from before what had, um, before what was going on before the events is taking place now and what's going to happen afterwards. Uh, just because I feel like a lot of the stuff that should have been addressed for many years is starting to come to light. Such as? Police brutality, um, systematic racism and oppression of black people and um, just how a lot of stuff isn't as um, squeaky clean as as we as citizens want it to want to believe it is um, with our government and just our society as a, as a whole. And how do you feel as a as a young black male growing up in this type of society? Um, a lot of the time I don't think about it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not really a person that. Um, tries to dwell on anything. So it's, I, I, when I'm just living my normal life, I'm I'm not, um, I, I don't feel like I'm, I mean, obviously in certain situations, I might feel like I'm different than other people my age um, or there are different races than me. I might get treated different or looked at different while I'm in different places, but I never really feel like it's something that affects me until I see something um, that happens to someone else like me or, something that just happens to black people in general that makes me kind of like rethink um, my my role in society and the, just the possibilities of things that could happen to me if I'm not careful. Okay. And have you considered doing any of the protesting or have been involved in any of that? Yeah, I've considered it. Um, the city that I live in is not really uh, too much going on. Um, I've, it's been probably two or three protests. One, there was only one that was close to me. The other two were um, a little a little bit of a distance for me. Um, but the one that was close to me, I drove by it. I was thinking about going and it, it wasn't too big. Um, it, it was that most of them were at the city halls um, here in the uh-huh. towns, but the town I live in isn't really that big. Um, the, the, the main place that they've been having big protests is in Orlando. And I haven't gone out there yet, but I've been thinking about going out to one of those protests. Well, make sure you're well equipped. You know, we're, we're going to have to have discussions before you go out there to make sure that you're well equipped <laughs> because we do love you. And you you are a very tall and, and, you know, you've been on those weights. He plays football and he's been on those weights and doing his weight training and stuff. And so he done beefed up. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea just because of how you look, because now we know that's what people do. So you really have to be well equipped and, and be careful. Um, what do you? Th- uh, is there anything you feel like you can gain from the older generations in helping you navigate through this current climate? Uh, yeah, um, mainly because I feel like as much as people want to believe that things have changed, things haven't really changed too much. Um, I feel like that's kind of coming to light more. Um, obviously there's going to be 
uh, it's a this, this the country you live in is going to be tons of different types of people. So you really don't know what you're going to get when you run into somebody. But a lot of the um, a lot of the majority, I feel like, of people, um, just the disparity of the different types of people is kind of like the really the same. Um, so like people pass on to their children what they um, were taught when they were growing up. Obviously, everybody's their own person, but I feel like we're living in a country that is um, different, but yet the same a lot. So when I talk to someone like my grandmother, my grandfather, someone who lived during a time like that and got through it uh, successfully and safely, I feel like the advice they give to me um, can be used now very effectively because they know what did work then and what didn't work then and the certain things that um, could be dangerous and the certain things that really can make a difference. And I feel like um, it's very applicable because it's a, it's a very similar time. Okay. Yeah, I think that we, uh, like the older generation and the and the younger generation, um, need to gain some things from each other. Uh, I think the younger generation many times think that we're too, you know, too old and don't know don't know what's going on. Um, but like you said, things haven't changed that much. So there's certain situations where you can learn some things from the older generation. And on the other, in the other vein, the older generation can learn from these, the younger generation as well. There's a lot of, uh, you know, views that we know it all. And, uh, you know, you're too young. You don't know anything. You haven't lived life, but, you know, there's some things that we could gain from each other. So I think if we work more together, which I'm happy to see different ages, working together for this cause, um, then I think we can really move forward in a positive way and actually have some change. Because when we're fighting against each other and there's not going to get any kind of change, it's not going to happen. So um, I do appreciate your perspective. Um, and hopefully you and you and your, your generation will continue the fight. Because like I said, you are the future. So it's time for us to take a break. I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore and you're listening to Interconnected. We're coming to you live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. And when we come back, we are going to wrap up. We'll be right back. Author, radio show host, and coach John M. Hawkins reveals strategies to help gain perspective, build confidence, find clarity, achieve goals. John M. Hawkins' new book, Coached to Greatness, Unlock Your Full Potential with Limitless Growth, published by iUniverse. Hawkins reveals strategies to help readers accomplish more. He believes the book can coach them to greatness. Hawkins says that the best athletes get to the top of their sport with the help of coaches, mentors, and others. He shares guidance that helps readers reflect on what motivates them, rediscover and assess their core values, philosophies, and competencies, find settings that allow them to be the most productive, and track their progress towards accomplishing goals. Listen to John Hawkins' My Strategy, Saturdays, 1 p.m. Eastern, on the BBM Global Network, and 2 
TuneIn Radio. Joseph A. Moylan is the owner of Ion Health, which specializes in very unique medical devices. Ion Health offers biomats, alkalife, and frequency machines. Biomats are a far infrared and negative ion emitting FDA approved medical device. With many different sizes available, you can place them on your bed, on a massage table, or on a seat in your car. It is an unobtrusive way to health. Alkalife machines are water ionizers that cleanse and raise the alkalinity of your tap water, making high alkaline water. Frequency machines utilize certain frequencies to kill viruses and bacteria. These devices are safe and effective. Coming from a health-conscious background and studying physiology at the Academy of Natural Health, Joseph A. Moylan has 15 years of experience in the health field and wants to help you live a healthy, long life. Visit www.ionhealthbiomats.weebly.com or call 765-520-2988. Don't let your health go astray. Get in touch today. Hey, guys, I'm Dr. Raina Gilmore, and you are listening to Interconnected. We're on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. This evening, we've I've had the pleasure of having a special guest, my mother, Mrs. Maria Gilmore, and my nephew, Mr. Kaleeb, who and we've been talking about race relations here and now. And I have a question for you, Kaleeb, specifically. It says, Mr. Kaleeb, how are you prepared to deal with situations of police interactions and which you have and what have you experienced with racism in your life? And the and the um, listener says, stay encouraged and don't succumb to fear. Um, I've had these conversations with my parents. Um, I feel like it's common now, even though this is a kind of a um, bad thing that it's almost required for every um, young black male to have this conversation with their parents. But when um, encountering a police officer, which I have many times, um, the town that I live in, it's a lot of police officers and they are, they do their job. But um, I, I try to just do everything that they say. Don't make any sudden movements. Do, don't do anything. To, um, just escalate the situation past what it has to be. And then if I do feel like I'm in a situation that I'm in danger, um, I'm, the first thing I would try to do is contact somebody to come to where I am so that I'm not alone if I am alone. And then if I need to uh, record just everything that's going on so that the officer doesn't do anything that he wouldn't do if he wasn't under camera. Okay. And then uh, to answer the second part of the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've, I've lived in a lot of different places. Um, I've lived in, Chicago, where there was almost no white students in my uh, class. I've lived in Tampa, where it was a, pretty much an even mix, as well as a lot of Hispanics. And then I've also lived in the uh, town that I've, I don't live in now, but I'm just leaving now from going to college. But I lived here for four years. Um, and it's it's a very diverse town. I mean, there's a black part of town, white part of town. It's just... Um, I mean, it's, you know what you're going to get based on where you are, but um, that is de- it's definitely something that's um, obvious when you're in certain areas. Um, when The first thing that comes to mind for me was um, when trying to apply for a job and just my job experiences. The first job I had was at a car wash. Uh, I ended up quitting that job because the um, the – person who was ahead of me I felt like wasn't being fair to me and was referring to me as boy and just I, I didn't feel like um 
it was a good place for me. Um, and then after that, I tried to, I was thinking about applying at a, a pizza place. And then when I went in to apply, the first thing I did was buy pizza. So they, um, I would start off on a good foot. And the manager mm-hmm. told one of the workers to make sure that I didn't walk out with the pizza before stealing it because, you know, those people like doing that. So, I mean, it's it's not something that um, I've not, I've never ran into, but like like I said, I never really let it discourage me. I just knew that I didn't want to be in an environment like that and just try to stay away from it. So, okay. Well, I, you know, I, I thank the both of you for giving your perspective. And as you can see, uh, this is three different generations, and we all have similar stories. That's sad, you know. Hopefully, you know, Khalib's children, if he's blessed to have them, will not be telling these same types of stories, you know. Um, And the next generation beyond that won't be telling these same types of stories. I'd like to, so thank you very much, both of you, for for coming on tonight. And hopefully we can have some more discussion. Khalib, I might have you on by yourself on the show because you have a lot of good things to say. Um. Thank you. I would Thank like you to, yeah, thanks. I would like to uh, end with a inspirational quote, um, as I usually do, and it's stop hating yourself for everything you aren't. Start loving yourself for everything you are. We are in a situation where there's people out there that are trying to make us as black and brown people hate ourselves because we're not them but we should love ourselves because we are who we are. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for entering this journey of the mind, body, and spirit with me. I hope everyone has a great week. Please be careful, social distance, and stay connected. Take care. You've been listening to Interconnected with Dr. Raina Gilmore. Join the conversation each week as Dr. Raina explores the mind, body, soul, and spirit connection. Take a journey that will lead you to a path of healing, learning, and how to cultivate and manage your life. Here on Dr. Raina's Interconnected. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.